people don't change until staying the same is more painful than changing. That's why here on the Joshua Ball podcast, we want to be agents of change. We want to create an environment that instigates change because without it, people will not decide to change on their own. The fact is, we want to get around people who push us, who challenges us, and makes us grow because they are people who are growing themselves. So the question becomes, what do I want in life? And more importantly, do I want more from my life? Because I'm not going to get more until I become more. There's a quote by Charlie Munger, the longtime business partner of Warren Buffett, and it says, to get what we want, we must first deserve what we want. The world is not yet a crazy enough place to reward a whole bunch of undeserving people. So let's say I have a pan scale. For those of you who might not know what a pan scale is, it's basically a scale with pans on two sides that's held up by a lever. And uh, I'm sure we've seen these, but you know, you put uh, an object in one side of the pan and you try to put another object of the same magnitude on the other side until they reach the same the same level, the same equilibrium. So say on the left side, I have my wants, my desires. And on the right, I have my, let's just call it my deserve it factor. The effort and the work I've put into actually attaining my wants and not my desires. Now, if my wants and desires are, if they outweigh the effort I've put into obtaining them, then of course the scale will not be even. It's not until I put in the proportionate deserve it factor, which is work and effort, to the capacity of which I now can obtain an equilibrium with the things that I want. It's not until then that I will see in some form the manifestation of the things that I desire and the things that I want. So to put it simply, People who deserve a lot, get a lot. If I look at my life and I'm not seeing the things that I want, maybe it's because my level of deserve it factor isn't at an equilibrium with the things that I want, which means I haven't put in the proportionate amount of effort to deserve what I want. And that might be a hard framework or mindset for some to to comprehend because we live in a time where you know people think oh just because I exist just because I'm here I automatically deserve what I want well that's not how it works that's never been how it worked and probably will never be in an entirety how it works that is an extreme that we don't want to build our lives around Speaking of extremes, I want to say that, you know, I'm pretty sure I, I made a comment on the last episode that all politics are spurious work. Well, as I went back and I listened to that episode, I realized, you know, that's an extreme as well. And that reminds me that we all can fall prey to these these mindsets and these things, these unwritten rules, um, just because, you know, it's it's a part of our everyday lives. Now, let me clarify or let me say in a more complete way what I think about politics. 
Politics is a tool, and any tool wielded by a fool can have dangerous consequences, which means that a gun, money, power, or another word for it is politics, those are all tools. And tools in the hand of a fool can have dire and uh, deadly consequences. So with a gun, you know, we got serial killers or murderers. With a knife, you know, we got people to get stabbed to death. With money, we, you know, people can hire a killer or hire a serial killer or whatever. We can do all kind of things with money. And it's the same with power. People can use the power that they receive from politics to do spurious work. Now, that reflects the person. It doesn't reflect the power that's been given to the person. Okay. I think that's a more complete way of saying it. So it doesn't become an extreme to say that, oh, all politicians or all people with power continue to or commit to do spurious work or false work. So along with this, this pattern of change and extremes, I want to bring up a topic or a mindset around the idea of possibilities. Maybe for some, change doesn't seem relevant or something that's needed because they don't see the possibilities in life. Maybe extremes are such a big part of our lives because possibility isn't something that's discussed all the time. A possibility for something to meet in the middle instead of the idea or concept being extremely to the left or extremely to the right possibility says there's more to it so the moment i was made aware of this concept of possibility was in 2018 i was in los angeles for a business trip and one of my good friends he called me um i want to say this was on a friday um he called me and he asked you know what i was doing and i was like oh you know i'm just out in los angeles and he goes, Los Angeles? And I was like, yeah, Los Angeles. And he goes, and he says, he makes this statement, and I'll never forget it. He said, I didn't even know that was possible. And he continued to say some other things, but in that moment, I was just stunned. When he said those words, I didn't even know that was possible. And that's the moment I begin to really think about this concept of what's possible and possibility. I think I stated it on a previous episode, but I'm from a small town in Louisiana called Winfield. And uh, I mean, to be honest, there's not a lot here. One of the best things this town has to offer is the family church, which is where I go to church. And, um, you know, it's one of the things that's kept me here all these years instead of moving off. But I'm in Los Angeles, and this is the second time I've actually been to Los Angeles, and uh, I'm on the phone with my friend, like I said, and he makes that statement of, I didn't know that was possible, and when I really think about that deeply, and I think about the town we're from, and the things that we see on a day-to-day basis, and the things we hear on a day-to-day basis in this town, it becomes evident why certain things, certain possibilities don't even enter our minds simply because we don't see them every day, simply because we don't hear of the different things going outside of the bubble that we're in 
And because of it, that's when we begin to develop our own cognitive biases around life and situations simply based on the lack of information, if I can say it like that, that we take in. And that lack of information also brings a lack of thinking what else is possible. So I'm in Los Angeles. I'm having this talk with my friend and the business meeting. It goes very, very well. As a matter of fact, that changed my life for the absolute better because, and I was looking at this the other day, in 2018, I met a guy at this business meeting and he was talking, he was telling me about how he repaired his credit. And, and I was reflecting on this the other day. And in 2018, in November of 2018, my credit score was a 610. It was 610 Equifax, 617 TransUnion. Because of me going to this meeting a year later, I was able to elevate my score from a TransUnion 617 to a 721 and an Equifax 609 to a 719 in one year just because of going to this meeting, just because of going out and networking, just because of getting out of my norm, getting out of uh, an environment that never changes, stays the same and putting myself in an environment that things are always changing and being able to see possibility at this point I didn't realize it at the time but that's exactly what it was I was literally taking myself out of a position of stagnation and going to another place where things were not stagnant things were moving things were changing and that goes back to the statement that I made in the beginning we don't want to change until the pain of staying the same is more painful than changing the pain that I was in for, from having a bad credit score led me to make a change to go out to Los Angeles and meet a guy that inspired change. And because of it, even today, my credit score is, is, is like 727. And it all reflects back to me going to that business conference back in 2018. And so this this mindset a possibility is so real, but people can't see the possibility because no one around them is changing. And because there is no change in what we see or what we hear, we can develop extremes in our mindsets. So I want us to stop and I want us to really take a look around and maybe try to find a way to get out of the norm that you're in. No, I'm not saying you have to fly 3,000 miles to go to a business conference. That that might not be your answer, but maybe there's something going on in a town that's a couple hours away from you. And there's something going on that might inspire some change in your life. What is something small that we can do to inspire change in our life? What is something we can do to inspire possibility in our life because you know we get into this rut where we just want to become automatons man and when we're robotic with our actions and our words and our thought processes we can it's so easy to lose 
the, this concept of something else is possible. And without possibility, I mean, is there a way, is there, is it safe to say that, you know, there's some element of hope that we lose when we don't see possibilities and things anymore? Because I believe that God wants us to look towards today and look towards the future with possibility that he wants to do. He wants to use us to do something greater than what we're doing right now. But if we don't see that possibility, if we're not in a mindset where we can get it, where we can change in order to see that that possibility, we're going to stay stagnant. And then when God gives us an assignment, we'll say, hey, no one around me is doing that. I've never seen that being done before. I can't do that because I don't see the possibility. But if we keep an awareness to the possibilities that surround us, if we keep an awareness to the need for us to change, then I believe God wants to step in and say, hey, I can use that person because he knows that change is inevitable. And possibilities are always there. And God's always trying to get us to do more. He's always trying to get us to do something different. He's always trying to get us to not be in this rut of the day in and day out mundane things. God wants our experience with him to be a lively one, to be one full of energy and one full of passion and zeal. And I believe that comes through possibility and having a mindset that with God, anything is possible. I heard another great quote that says, we don't see with our eyes. We see with our minds. Our eyes are just one of the tools our mind uses to see. So if our mind is blind, it doesn't matter what our eyes can see. But if our minds can see, it doesn't matter if our eyes are blind. So if our mind is blind to the possibility, then our eyes will be blind to the opportunity. Possibility, I believe, is one of the gateways to permission. When we see people around us, when we see people we aspire to be, or when we see people that influence us, lean into the possibility of something new and they perform or act or work in such a way that new things start to arise, new products, new new songs, new ways of working. When those things start to arise and we see that it come from people who has had an impact on us. I believe that the possibility we see emanate from them becomes a form of permission for us to then begin to act and work and do whatever it is we're passionate about and what we are actually supposed to be doing. And not only does that give us a form of permission, it also can be a form of instruction. In one of Malcolm Gladwell's books entitled The Tipping Point, he discusses this topic of permission and instruction. In the early 1960s, suicide on the islands of Micronesia was almost unknown. But for reasons no one quite understands, 
it then began to rise steeply and dramatically by leaps and bounds every year until the end of the 1980s. For males between 15 and 24, the suicide rate in the United States is about 22 per 100,000. In the islands of Micronesia, the rate is about 160 per 100,000, more than seven times higher. At that level, suicide is almost commonplace, triggered by the smallest of incidents. And upon reading these staggering numbers and statistics, my mind began wondering, what was the root cause of this? How did this this epidemic of suicide become so prevalent in such a small island of Micronesia? Researchers began conducting experiments to find out the answer to this exact question, and they were able to trace the origin of this epidemic to one young man. The book doesn't mention his name, but simply references him as R., and in November of 1966, the charismatic scion of one of the island's wealthiest families had been seeing two women and had fathered a one-month-old child with each of them. Unable to make up his mind between them, he hanged himself in romantic despair. Three days after R's death, there was another suicide. A 22-year-old male suffering from marital difficulties, bringing the suicide toll to two over a week in a community that had seen one suicide in the previous 12 years. So, I don't want to get bogged down in all the details of this story. I want to keep this very, very high level. Um, but if you are interested in reading the entirety of the story, the, again, this book is called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. But a few things to note about this guy, R, that the book refers to. It says that he was charismatic. It says that he was from a very prominent family. And it says that he had some decisions to make. But instead of making those decisions, he decides to end his life. And it's not the, it's not the part that makes this so profound of him ending his life it it makes a difference but the parts that really stick out to me are the fact is the fact that he was a charismatic which means people probably liked him he was probably very popular this that and the other probably had some influence in his um in his town or the region or whatever and he was part of a prominent family and here's the thing 25 more suicides followed over the next 12 years, mostly in clusters of three or four over the course of a few weeks. But the thing most important to note is that of the suicides that preceded R's death, they all imitated the way that he killed himself. He tied a rope to a door and he formed a noose around his neck. And as he leaned forward, the noose tightened around his neck, cutting off his air supply, which caused him to pass out, which inevitably caused death due to lack of blood flow and oxygen to the brain. And the point of all this, the what I really want to get to is the book makes a few great and profound statements that really resonated and really stuck with me. It said that because of R and his actions 
He did two things. He, one, gave other people just like him, young teen boys with dilemmas, with trivial issues in life. He gave them permission to end their lives. And the other thing he did was he gave them instructions on how to do it. So I want to use this example to say if people of the world have such influence and can give people permission to end their lives, how much more influential and how much more should we be doing things to give permission to people to live for God, to serve God, and not only give permission, but give instruction. When they walk into our churches, they should see us with our hands raised. They should see us praising our most high God. They should see us be apostolic and outside of church. They should see us live a lifestyle different from theirs. Because, again, we are supposed to be a beacon for Jesus. And when they see us, when they see the the image and the the difference that's in us, it should give them permission to want to have the same life, have the same experience with God, have the same relationship. Our life should then give the instruction on how to do that. If a young man can influence an entire region of people to end their lives, how much more should we influence the region of people around us and beyond to say, hey, you have the permission to live for God. You have the permission to have an experience with God. You have the permission to have a relationship with God. And here's the blueprint. Here are the instructions. Here is how you do it. And our lives should be direct reflections of that permission and of those instructions. So don't live your life haphazard. Don't live life like an automaton. You never know who it is that's watching you, waiting for permission from you, waiting for instructions from you on how to live a better life on how to have a relationship with God, how to step out of the world that they've known all of their life and see the possibility of something greater, something more, something more profound. Our life, it isn't for us. It's to give others permission and instruction on how to live a life pleasing to God. We thoroughly hope you guys are enjoying the show so far. We are working to always make things better, sound, all that kind of stuff. Make sure we have great content for you guys. And shout out to my friend Caleb Barton who sent me a review this week. And I wanted to read it to you guys. He said, you said something I've never thought about and it makes so much sense when you think about it. You said that who's to say that work ends when we make it to heaven? Great stuff on work. Nothing is more fulfilling than doing work through the avenue of relationship with God. I always love the developing of good godly content. 
because consumers are at the mercy of producers. So glad to have something else to listen to. Brother Caleb, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your kind words and thank you for being a consistent consumer of this content. I really appreciate you, bro. And we really appreciate all the loyalty of our listeners. So send us a review. We want to feature you guys. We want to know what you're thinking. Um, Send us some constructive criticism. We want to know how we can get better. We want to know what you want to hear about. You know, I have an idea of the content I want to put out, but you might have a better idea of something that I haven't spoken about yet that might be a good topic. So we want to hear from you guys. As we go into our church services this Sunday, let's go with a mindset to ask God, what's possible in this service today? What's something different you want to do today? Show me, Lord, something that's possible for you to do and that you want to do in this service. And whatever he shows you, step into it and own it and go do it because our actions in our services Like I said, give others permission and give others instruction. And we want God to have all freedom and all liberty in our church services as much as possible. And so when we understand that with anything, with him, anything is possible. And then when we step into that possibility, we give permission for others to step into it and we give them the instruction. So we will see you guys next week. Christmas is upon us. Oh my gosh, where did the year go? Um, We hope you guys that are traveling travel safely. Um, Please watch the weather. I know where I'm currently at. The weather is supposed to be bad this week at some point. So stay prayed up above all things and stay committed to this, this walk with Jesus above all things because with him, all things are possible. And it's all for his pleasure. We will see you guys next week.